I'd like to propose a toast. Hello and welcome to Before Brunch. I'm Megan Cassidy. And I'm Cassie Delaney. And we are your weekly celebrity pop culture, social issues and arts podcast. And we go live every Saturday morning at around 7 a.m. We used to go live just before you went to brunch with your pals, but we decided in the world we live in now and the age we're at and we're grown ups that maybe a 7 a.m. for just an early Saturday walk is a more appropriate release time. I'm just a little bit thrown by the age comment. I hadn't, I didn't realise that we were progressing with age. Let's talk about the last time. When was the last time you actually went for a boozy brunch? With you at Christmas. It was that brunch, no? That was, that was an afternoon lunch. Wasn't it a plan to go for brunch, maybe? Perhaps, but look, it is, it's, it's not a regular thing in my life anymore. No, Sadly, it's, it's COVID has had a lot to do with that. Do you think that's an age thing? That's actually, that's funny because we probably haven't noticed the things that have slipped out of our lives because of natural, you know, the way you grow up and things are changing because we've been doing nothing. Yeah. Is that I, a sentence? I'm so tired today. Yeah, it's been an exhausting week. People are going to love this. But I think that when you think about a night out, like at, for my birthday, I went for dinner with my friends and we had a few drinks. Yeah. And I don't know whether it's COVID or just getting older. I think, yeah, it's a combo because I had said to Aiden, I was like, I long to be in a nightclub again, like pushed up against the no. bar. And he was like, Megan, we're never going to it. Like, we're not doing that anymore. That's yeah. not, you're not missing that. That's not something we would be doing. That's just over. Yeah. And I just found that so offensive and so scary. And so. Yeah. Well, I kind of I feel like that has been over about three years ago. I walked into Zico, turned around and walked out and was like, I will not. do. I'm not this. This is not for me. No, thank you. Yeah. I actually walked to the bar with friends, got a pint, went to the smoking area, went to light a cigarette, looked around and was like, no. There's nothing here There's for me. N- this is not where I want to be. I put the pint down. I turned around to my friends. I'm getting a taxi. And I went and That's I left. So funny. Yeah. And I had good night's sleep. I know everyone says nobody looks back and remembers the good night's sleeps they had. But fucking do. I had a great do night's you? sleep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And like this brings us actually so naturally to what we kind of said we'd talk about today. And I suppose in a general sense, it's it's the coming out of lockdown and the changes and habits that we've had over the last year, things we haven't even noticed creeping in and how we're going to manage this transition back to real life. Just the general day to dayness of everything again. Yeah. I think that we were all, we were actually talking about this the other day in the office lockdown has been really really tough on people like really hard and I think there's a lot of like we're we're holding in a lot of trauma and a lot more people I know now are either in therapy or taking supports or on medication for anxiety disorders depression that kind of thing where maybe lock I'm not saying that they weren't present before lockdown but lockdown has certainly highlighted it for people and the need to have supports around them to be able to talk and I think that's really progressive really positive Mm. I think that um if we're coming out of it too quickly, I oh. think that it's all just like going to be back to normal. We're going to have forgotten. And like, really, there's something in there's there's a latent trauma that's going to be there because the pandemic happened and everything shut down and it exposed that the way that we lived our lives didn't work. Yeah. You know, a lot of people got sick. 
There was a lot of anxiety. You know, the the disparity that it created between the like, I know we don't use class systems anymore, but the disparity it created between people who were already wealthy and then people who were maybe working in the service industry. So we're having like a, you know, a kind of second wave recession that's going to only impact people who are already impacted by economic inequality. And I think that like to to have had that notice, to have had that period of time where we can look back and say, oh, it didn't work. Mm. And now to just be kind of rushing towards it again feels weird. And do you think we're rushing toward the same thing? I think even the conversations I'm having with past and future colleagues are very different. They're kind of a lot... Um, more honest or transparent or I don't know there's I feel like I'm speaking to a whole person now whereas corporate life used to be so much more superficial I don't yeah. know what that is I guess that's because we've had a year and a bit of looking into people's homes you know yeah, we've I really seen is. people where they are and, and seen other sides to people and you know like had meetings with the accountants and solicitors where people are wearing their casual clothes and it 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 distilled everybody down to the same thing and also gave us a common shared experience that we were all relating to like even though individually all of our experiences were different everyone had their own sort of like loads to bear during lockdown we were all suffering because of the same thing or experiencing something because of the same t- thing. You know, we were all at home watching. I always say this, we were always at, we were all at home watching the same Netflix. Mm. We were all locked out at the pubs. We were all put in like a 5K radius or whatever. So we had that to bond with people over, which I think reintroducing the shared experience has been something that has been missing for a long time because in the mm. world that we live in, everything is geared towards personalization. Your content you consume is personalized. Your experiences of things are personalized. Everything is about your experience and the world through your eyes and how to make the world better for you as a consumer. So bringing back sort of a global pandemic or bringing back an event that we all shared gave us that commonality that lowest common denominator gave us something to talk about all the time and we found ways to relate to each other better so yeah I do think people are potentially closer and more open and also open about saying I don't like working five days a week in an office I like being out of the city I mean look at the the amount of people who moved out of the city and moved back home with parents or into the countryside anyway and they're like actually this is this is this is it you know this Mm. whole idea before pre-pandemic of you get your job you're in the city you maybe go for a drink on a Friday evening with your colleagues you do your Saturday hike and you go then and you have your after hike pint or your lunch or whatever with your family and we all did these things because we thought that was what you did like you had to do you got your job you got your mortgage approval you, you know, you and your partner bought a house for whatever you could around mm. town or in the suburbs or whatever. And we were just all working towards this. And I think that the, pandem- the pandemic has paused people, but I don't think it has. I read a thing recently where it said the pandemic hasn't stopped the world for a year and a half. It has fast forwarded us into the future. So okay. we're not going to go back to the Mm. world that we'd lived in before but right now I think it feels like we are rushing towards that but I think there will come another sort of pause where we're like everybody's back in and maybe I don't know maybe there's another wave or maybe there's still anxiety present or something that we'll all stop and say actually this isn't it like you've just articulated that so perfectly I feel like this is really your episode I feel like you're here to shine today 
and I just want to facilitate that shining. That was really well articulated. Like what's so interesting is while we're moving away from that singular experience that you touched on um, around, you know, personal devices and everything um, tailor targeted to us, we're also moving away from the group mentality of milestone hitting, Mm -hmm. which they're kind of those two things are at odds with each other. But for me, I do think now because I'm at that crucial age of 32, which I do think is a very transitional age for a woman. You know, the Friends reunion that we watched this week was all about that time in your life where your friends are your family. Yeah. And when you start to have your own babies and get married, you're moving into the next stage where your family is your family. Um, And I feel because of lockdown I've kind of been spared the pressure of those milestones yeah um and I that suits me because I've always kind of done things differently and you know I started my professional life a lot later than all of my friends um and I'm kind of I had come to terms with that I do things differently maybe I do things later than other people I don't have this urge to get married buy a house those are not the milestones that I that draw me and we've talked about this before and I've had a sort of cushy escape from that in the last year and a half because it's just been me and Aiden in our apartment um and we sort of protected from the just world, protected right? yeah. from that and protected from that pressure and we haven't met the aunties who say when are you getting married when's the ring when's the this when's the that and I already feel that pressure rushing back in that I'm like oh it was so lovely to have a year where everything was unplanned you know the it was perfectly imperfect but you know I can still hold on to that my I just make that choice but that's it to it's, hold it's on about to that. yeah re- retaining that mentality and stopping every now and then and like examining your life and your choices I think what happens for people is there's like a cognitive dissonance so it's like when you hold two ideas that are equally true but are contradictory of each other so yeah you know that like you want to get married mm. and you want to you know have a family but you also want to do more with your career and like you can believe both of those things things to be true but for them to you can believe that they're kind of kind of contradict each other at the same time it's the same it's the same kind of dissonance where you know you'll enjoy a cigarette but know that it's bad for you yeah you're like you know you'll enjoy a night out but know that you're going to be anxious the next day you mm. have all of these statements but it's uh, we need we need help sometimes to process those thoughts and we need to, and it, sometimes it is sitting down and there's techniques like journaling and gratitude journals and writing lists and all that kind of stuff where you sit down and you break the thought but I think one of the one of the things for this year that I've really um that I've really experienced is it has made you it has made me questioning question the beliefs that I held previously mm. And that idea is like kind of in therapy terms. And I'm obviously not a therapist. This is what I have learned through like processing my own my own therapy and dealing with other people who make um, a lot of very interesting podcasts here. And particularly, I want to give a shout out to um, Jacqueline Campion, who runs uh, who does Calling It Out, which is the Merino Therapy Center podcast that we produce here for her. Um, and she talks an awful lot about this. And it's the idea of limiting beliefs. And these are beliefs that like you hold in your your mind to be completely true. And you, nobody questions them because you just, it's like all, it's like if someone turned around to you one day and was like, you know, the sky isn't actually blue. You're like, no, it is blue. I mm. know it's blue. It's always been blue. The sky is blue. And yeah, of course, that's that's a bad example because the sky is blue. But like you believe these things to be true about yourself. Like 
I have to have a child by the time I'm 35 or I'm not going to have a child. Yeah. I have to get a, you know, I have to get married because we have been together for so long. And there's all these things that you just so inherently believe in yourself because we've grown up with them that they are actually having these, they're placing these limits on your life. Yeah. Without realizing them. And and you literally sit down and you write down the belief. You write mm. down what it is and these statements about your life that you believe to be true. And then you break them down and say, well, why do I think that I'm, has a woman ever over the age of 35 ever had a child? Of course they have. Yeah. You know, do people get their houses and then get married? Of course they do. Do I even want that? Can I have a career and have a family? All the things that we kind of like just hold that sometimes you don't realize are holding the anxiety like in your chest or somewhere that are, are preventing you from moving on. They're generally just the root cause is some flipping sentence that you believe to be yeah. true and it's not necessarily the case. It's so true. And this fixation on outcomes also, mm-hmm. like it's you're touching on there, like the black and white thinking of all or nothing. If we don't get married by this age, we won't have a baby by this age. We won't have this by this age. And it's the world is not black and white. It's so nuanced and there's so many in-betweens and no one knows what's going to happen. And I love that castaway line, Tom Hanks. is like, you don't know what the tide is going to bring in the next day. It's so true. You have no idea. But when you do this black and white thinking and focused on the outcome, usually like for me, thinking about what outcome I'm most afraid of helps me whittle down what my fear is and what I actually want. I'm like, why, what am I so afraid of if we don't buy a house by the age of 33? Mm-hmm. It's not, I don't need security. I never have. Like it's, that's not something that I value. Other people do value security. Yeah. I love spontaneity. I love not knowing what's going to happen. And, and I have, that to me is so anxiety inducing. Yeah. You're you, like spontaneity. I'm like, oh but no. But yet you've, you've created a life for yourself that is hinged on spontaneity and like you're yeah, don't remind entrepreneurial. Me. Yeah. Okay, but anyway. But like I do crave security. Do you? That's probably where I think one of my greatest anxieties comes from from is if this were to all fall my mother told me the other day I have to stop using the word if because every time I'm talking to her I'm like what if this happens what if this happens and she's like just keep your head down and keep working and I was like you don't understand I need to know yeah I need to contemplate the outcomes of this if this and this and this then I'll do this that's so funny because you behave and and it's what you're saying you know your behavior can be at odds with with what you value or what you crave or maybe your craving is amplified because you've created a life for yourself where there's yeah. maybe a vacuum of that but for me when I whittle down to my values I don't value security is it that I feel my little sisters are looking at me and I haven't hit a milestone and that's starting to make them worry yes what's that coming down to it's being first born in a family and yeah. those beliefs that are ingrained in us that are limiting beliefs but that are so deeply embedded by those formative years of like I hit the milestone first yeah. and then everyone fo- gets in line but that's behind it. me exactly and like we built those milestones at a time when like the idea that you buy a house and you have the security and you have generational wealth that you pass on then to your children really came I suppose probably you know like 80s where our parents started buying houses and then owning them paying off their mortgages and whatever right but that system was designed in a world where it was accessible to buy a house and still live a nice life Mm -hmm. you know if you and and it was achievable and most people did it in their kind of late 20s. I read a stat there. I think it was on um, David McWilliams was talking about it, that 
in um in the 80s 66% of 30 year olds 30 or people in their 30s were able to buy their first house and now it's down to less than 31%. So like that's an incredible that's a massive falling off mm. in such a short space of time. The reality of the economy that we live in now is that Purchasing a house in Dublin is not accessible for the majority of people unless you have generational wealth or unless you're on a very, very high salary. It is not possible if you're single. It's not possible if you're, you know, kind of on an average salary mm. in a partnership, whatever. It's very, very difficult. And the likelihood you know, houses are selling for 80, 90 grand over the asking at the moment because of this foreign investment issue and because of loads of other things. But it's not accessible to people without an awful lot of pressure because individually what people are trying to do is like figure out how they're going to buy their house Mm. so they're either borrowing from like every person in their family to get their deposits together or they're overspending and buying houses that are not worth that and compromising on the things that they've always wanted Mm. so you're compromising on a garden or location or a size of the house or whatever which is going to impact the rest of your life taking out this huge mortgage to cover the costs and you're not getting the thing that you were working towards yeah and also without us all we all need to come together I suppose and talk about it because I think right now we're is still focused on that personalized experience and that individual experience and everyone's like oh, I just want to get my house and have my little life sorted and then we'll look yeah there is a big wider societal issue but we'll solve that once I'm yeah. sorted but the problem is that without coming together and without talking about it we can't come up with an alternative way of living mm. so right now there's lots of people who've been pushed out say of the property market have been pushed out of the, of this this milestone journey that we're on and a lot of people feeling the pressure that that's not accessible to them anymore but we haven't stopped to be like well what is the alternative what's plan b here what do i do if i can't afford my house in dublin what do i do if i end up single and not having someone to buy a house with what do i do if that's something that i still want but i can't achieve based on my lifestyle do I go get another job do I retrain do I like Mm. what is it but like it's an it's enough to kind of step back and be like if I am a 30 something year old woman who's taking okay I often like make excuses for myself and the way that I live because I started a business which is uncertain it's I mean it's a healthy little business but it's it's an uncertain way so you're not you know you go to the bank and you want to get a mortgage they don't look favorably upon yeah people who are self-employed until a couple of years that you know they've been doing it for a few years so even if I were to say return to the salary I had before I set up these businesses Mm. and I walked into a bank and that was a really good salary I walked into a bank what would I get offered in terms of a mortgage and where could I buy and Mm. it would be outside of Dublin really you as a single as a single as a single applicant like I'd be buying, you know, buying a house that's far away from where I want to live, mm. doesn't have the, the amenities that I wanted to have. And it probably isn't in a location that I want to be living in either. Right. And everyone's like, oh, well, sure, that's fine. Just buy your house there. But the reality is, if that's the case, mm. if if a successful person who works hard can't get the thing that they've always been working towards, then the system is broken. Yeah, it's not a fault of ours. And I think maybe that's putting maybe I'm just kind of coming from a place where a lot of people my age are in this situation and they're trying to buy houses and they're feeling shitty and they're in therapy and they're medicated and they're whatever. And we have to stop thinking that the choices that we have made in previous in a previous years have resulted in this situation we're in now. Mm. 
Like yeah. I have friends who are like, I shouldn't have gone traveling. I was like, sorry, you went traveling for six months, six years ago. Mm. This is not the reason you cannot buy a house. Mm. And that idea that we're at fault for how the economy is right now is really difficult on people. A case of like, should I have worked harder? Should I have studied something else in college? Should I have pushed myself? Should I have not have started a business? You know, mm. should I not have rented? No, you yeah. should be perfectly acceptable to rent, go on your holidays, do your six months traveling, your year traveling if you want to, get a job, earn the average salary and be able to buy a house yeah. or an apartment or something. And the fact that we can't do it is not... Yeah, it's not a personal failing. We are geared towards owning property in Ireland yeah. as the thing that brings you security. It's not about having, you know, not having somewhere to live. It's not a it's not a status symbol. It's what we were taught to do was to own property and pass that property down to your children. Mm. That generational wealth moves through property in Ireland. And that's what we just we need to break that condition thinking. We also don't have an alternative. So we don't mm. have long term leaseholds in Ireland at the moment. So you're living in a very sort of like disruptive lifestyle if you're caught in that typical um system of renting somewhere for a year or two if you're long-term renting somewhere and i know that you guys have you you guys have been in black rock for a really nice long time but yeah most people a really nice long time but most people well, you've got a gorgeous apartment it's you're beautiful. overlooking I'm the so sea happy there. it's stunning yeah like, if you're you know if you're kind of entering into the rental market now the likelihood is that you're moving every year or every two years because mm. The landlord, the laws in favor of landlords and upping the rent mean that like they can refurbish and then put up the rent. Mm. So it's really, really tr tricky. We don't have a suitable alternative for that. So that's why I think people get particularly stressed around the point of property. And it's something I'm really, really interested in it. Mm. I can't remember what my second point was. Oh, the thing about being working in the media and mm. the industry that you look in. And if you see colleagues and other people that are your peers also struggling, that's when you'll start to think that I've made the wrong decision and I've gone into an industry that I shouldn't have. Mm. But like you didn't have that awareness when you decided to go into the industry. Of course you didn't because yeah. all all you have are career days and you know uh, college brochures and stuff that make you know, prospectuses make every single industry seem like a safe one hmm. and so you don't really know the best piece of advice I ever got was my friend's aunt was really drunk and it was like six o'clock in the morning at a party back hmm. when we used to go to parties and she turned around to, we were like I was in my early 20s and she said if you get stuck when you're trying to make a decision if you don't know what it is that you're supposed to you're trying to decide something you stop and you look at your life and you look at the people in it and you mm. make the decision based on what you think will bring about the most amount of happiness for you and other people yeah and at least then you can step back at the end of the day and say I just did what I thought was right at the time yeah and I'm protected by that that kind of like saves I suppose any issue of dissonance later on because there is no like, oh, I should have gone that way. I should have done that. You're like, no, I, I stand over my decision. I yeah. did what I thought was best. And generally, if you make those decisions with your values in mind and pr being protective of the other people in your life as well, being kind to other people, then you'll be able to stand back and do it. And I think as I've genuinely lived my life like that since my early 20s mm. and I can see that yeah okay it hasn't all worked out of course it hasn't I don't make the right decision all the time I don't have the answers things have some things have worked some things haven't but I can look back now even at times that I'm finding things tougher than usual mm. and say that I've 
I'm here because I made the right decisions. Yeah. I'm here because I made the decisions that were right for me at that moment in time. I love that. And I think I actually quite naturally do that in that I've never been a future planner. I've never sacrificed to save for a house. Yeah. And I operate on magical thinking. Like I know I love this. I'm totally magic about like yeah. that's the way I was as a child. I still am. Like even when you're talking about how difficult it is to buy a house and how the system is set up for us not to be able to purchase property. I'm like yeah but I remember this is so, gonna happen yeah, to me because I remember this so distinctly well you were the first person in my life that I felt really connected to on this level it was when we were working together and someone was talking about pensions mm. and you turned around and you said that doesn't apply to me no that and doesn't I was I'm like, gonna come into money yeah and I was like oh Megan pensions don't apply to me either yeah I do not need to have a pension because somehow somewhere in a way that I have not figured out yet we're just gonna be disgustingly rich I just I feel it yeah. and even last night I was walking in Cabin Tealy Park with Aiden and when I see big houses uh, Cabin Tealy House is a great mm. example I am transported back to being a child when I was so sure that I was going to end up living this Downton Abbey lifestyle yeah. somehow and I still have that little flame inside me of it's going to happen and when Aiden is so practical it really annoys me I think that's why I don't get on with a lot of people like yeah. so many people in my life are accountants and work in the financial industry yeah my brother every, you know and they'll often say to me you know like what have you got in, what savings have you got in place what's you know who's your pension with who's your health care and I'm like that does not apply yeah I am special yeah doesn't apply yeah and that's and it's you know it's in direct opposition to what you're talking about around group thing it's like it's so but you know I'm thinking I'm saying to Aiden isn't this going to be great when we live in a house like this someday and he's looking at you know a one up one down in Rialto and thinking how are we going to make this happen he's more practical yeah and you know I have to support him in that practical thinking because he's probably going to get us there quicker than I will oh yeah yeah but I do believe in magical thinking. What I pride myself on, and it's what you've talked about there, is I set goals and I have vague ideas of what the future might look like, but I set goals only in the interest of how that impacts today. So if it means net unhappiness today, that's not my goal. So if that's, you know, a very realistic plan, a financial plan around, you know, when we're going to be buying a house in Cabin Teeley, mm-hmm. And that means that I have to eat ham sandwiches today. That's not going to be the plan. It's not going to happen. So if I have a goal that's like, yes, I would like to have a media empire by this age and how that impacts today is I get up at 5 a.m. and I write down, you know, 10 ideas for content. That's a great plan because today is good. Yeah. We only have today. And that's how I set goals. I know that sounds like woo woo. No, it doesn't. But I don't like sacrificial goals. Yes. And it is, this is the antithesis of every sort of like personal development podcast you'll ever listen to. Yeah. Where it's like, yes, have really large things that you would like to achieve in your life, but do the bare minimum to get there. Bare, least resistance. Yeah. Path of least resistance. You have, like, if it makes you happier today, and of course, some sacrifice just is embedded in, in that goal planning but it doesn't feel unnatural there's no resistance to that sacrifice like example if you have um 
I'm not going to say a weight goal because people will be upset about that. But if you have some sort of, you know, I want to write a book and yeah. that sacrifice is, oh, I don't go out drinking with my friends that night. It When it doesn't feel painful, when it gives you net happiness and writing a thousand words yeah. versus going out for the drink results in net happiness at the end of the day for me that's a great goal whether the book ever happens or not it impacted today positively okay that is actually a really good way of thinking because so often we're thought to like sacrifice and move forward and I'm working nine hours you know or (laughs) working seven days a week you know 12 hours a day so that in the future I can be I can have x and how often have we heard stories of people have arrived at what they perceive their destination of happiness to be and realize that it's not the thing that made them happy yeah well it's like you're saying you say you go right I have to buy a house at all costs I have to buy a house that is the outcome yeah and then you buy a house and you sacrifice the garden and all of a sudden me and Aiden are drinking cocktails on our balcony in Black Rock and you're sitting in a house with no garden and as you always say the end of the day we all sit on the couch and watch Netflix yeah and it doesn't matter whether you own it or you know so is today net happiness and I mean net happiness because there's always going to be give and sacrifice yeah but is it amounting to net happiness according to what you value like I know very clearly the things I value I value luxury I do and you know if buying a really nice bag makes me feel happier and I've sacrificed I don't know 10 hours of writing for that bag then that's a great little mini goal it is it's true and actually I there was um another it was actually on another podcast that we do here that someone was talking about this is going back a couple of years was um when you distill down your happiness so when you like really know yourself you can have a happiness plan and that is what that is the literal things you need to do that will bring about a certain level of happiness so like for me it's I love being on my bike I love going for a cycle I like listening to a podcast I love a coffee I love a little caramel slice yeah with the biscuit and some alone time and if my room or wherever I'm in is clean that's really good and new bed sheets right yeah and then maybe like other things I love pasta and it's just like those little things that if I'm having a really really difficult time Mm. they'll at least bring me to a base level of happiness again if I'm you know it'll if I go on my bike and I listen to but and sometimes it doesn't sometimes it takes a combination of things and sometimes there's other things that need to come into it or whatever mm. but generally if I'm feeling really particularly low I'll pull on my little list of things I like to do sometimes yeah. it's a bath and a big giant bottle of pasta yeah and a good night's sleep and like writing down those things like I know that I have a checklist of seven or six you know seven eight things that I can do that mm. will bring me back to just a place of equilibrium that's great I have a little equilibrium plan as well and it's not like go for a run and my runs like people worry about me in black rock I've seen you run I'm so slow but I feel like I don't owe anyone anything like people look at me while I'm running they're like is she okay because I'm panting I'm red I I run for 20 seconds and then I walk like I can't fine and you know what I always say if someone sees you and you're running they're like there's a there's you know there's a young woman there's a girl out for a run yeah. if someone sees you walking they're like there is a person out for a walk yeah no one is looking at you long enough to know that you run walk run they don't walk, know that crawl. I'm not injured or coming back from an injury yeah 
So I run and like in the loosest sense of the word. I've and seen, I've genuinely seen you run from the car <laughs> into the off license and I, it does, it looks, it looks like there's a definitely recovery from an injury happening. <laughs> I feel like people, you know, the way you know people in BlackRock, I feel like people do call me that girl who can't run. Yeah. Or I think they the call woman you, on the balcony with the wine. Yeah, the woman on the balcony with the wine or the spaghetti runner is what I'm going to call you because it's limbs <laughs> everywhere. Yeah, monkey arms, yeah. like properly. Um, but I go for a run. Uh, I clean something. I know this is like old hat, cliched, but just do the dishes or do something. Have a shower read a book, avoid alcohol because I only like drinking when everything's going really well. I'm really happy. Then it's a cherry on top. Yeah. I drink, like, I hate drinking when I'm down or. Well, it's, a, it, it's, it's a depressive. And I think this is something that I realized more. Actually, this was the episode was supposed to be about. Was coming out of lockdown and rushing again. Yeah. <laughs> now it's about how we're special, but everyone else can do what they want. Best again. of luck. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we've got it all sorted. Yeah. But. Yeah, what I'm, I suppose, most anxious about is coming out of lockdown, how the rush is kind of back to let's go for a drink, let's use, which is nice and normal, yeah. but more, I'm actually going to try and stop drinking for a little while because I've noticed more and more the serotonin deficit when, I, when I've had drink. And that is just an age thing. And again, it's that net happiness, like yeah. overall happiness, subtract the sadness. Alcohol takes more than it gives. I've really learned that in the lockdown. So it's a short term gratification. Yes. But am I enjoying it overall? Like what I've taken during the lockdown intermittently, I've just taken it out of my life completely. And I'm the type of person that needs to go cold turkey. I can't do moderation in any area of my life. But um, when I've taken it out, my overall net happiness is just so much higher. Anxiety disappears. The feeling of going to bed, feeling kind of bright and clear and fresh and waking up feeling well slept yeah. and well rested. You know, it's alcohol. I think it's this was a great chance to examine that relationship yeah. and what it's adding and what it's taking. And it takes so much. It takes so much. And But you know what I've realized recently as well that's very difficult? It's hard to be without it. What's interesting is because before the lockdowns, before COVID, I wasn't drinking and Mm. I was really um, felt much happier, was going to the gym, was really looking after myself and was probably the most mentally stable I had been ever. Then during the lockdown, I started, it slowly came back into life and Mm. it sort of became a not a it's not a problem but it's definitely something that now when I see people because I haven't seen them in so long the rush is to go and have a drink yeah and it's difficult and I've really really noticed the serotonin deficit now the day after drinking but also how it's a day two days three days before you're back to equilibrium and when when you're there's a difference between when you're down and when your like body isn't producing enough serotonin and you need to have help to like bring that back up and like a lot of people will will take medication for that which is completely like totally admirable to balance out your your body in that way Mm. but alcohol gives me the feelings of 
for like the day after drinking, like being depressed. But yeah. it, that is just because it's pulling at your serotonin. But it's scientifically proven it does affect your serotonin yeah. production. It sends it into overdrive when you're drinking and then it depletes yeah. it. And things that gave you joy don't give you joy when you are actively or chronically drinking. And by chronically drinking, I mean one or two every day is yeah. chronic drinking. You don't get joy from things that used to give you joy. And I noticed that in the lockdown because I was, we were, I don't usually drink at home when there's, um, when society is alive and we're out and about, I kind of don't drink at home. But obviously because we weren't going out, we were starting to drink at home and it just creeps into Thursday and then it's Wednesday. And then all of a sudden you were drinking every day from Wednesday to Sunday. And then it's like, oh, Tuesday, why not? And then you're chronically drinking and things that used to give me joy, like going for a walk just wasn't doing it for me anymore I was yeah, thinking you I can't, can't wait pull to go on those home. things yeah yeah I just can't wait to have that glass of wine it's like you just create this whole visual around the wine and how happy yeah. it makes you and how it signifies relaxation and even tonight the late late show I'm like yeah a glass of wine and the late late show we need to separate that because the wine alcohol and it is becoming there's more and more literature now um around going sober and there's the unexpected joy of being sober i read that book a couple of years ago the naked truth is another great one or the naked mind it's called and then there's that whole like hello sunday morning sort of like movement of people who don't drink and get up which is great and i like i'm totally here to like i think that there needs to be a balance again i think it's like it's 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 operating in a society where we can do the thing that is like the mainstream thing to do but then also have an alternative Mm. and like this is the same you know here's the thread for this episode this is why people feel under pressure to buy houses there isn't an alternative because there isn't long-term rental this is why people drink when we go out because we have pubs and we don't have social gatherings that are not focused around alcohol i know people Mm. say that there's alternatives and the stuff but there isn't a significant alternative Mm. to meeting your friends and even the the whole narrative during lockdown is when are the pubs opening? When are the beer gardens reopening? When are the wet pubs reopening? When can we do this? Couldn't give you, couldn't tell you a thing about sport. But all I know no. is that the beer gardens open again on the 7th of June. You know, mm. everyone rushed to book all their stuff and meet their friends. And like a lot of the talk has been around when can we have 15 people around a table again? Mm. Which is, first of all, completely too many people for a night out do not need 15 oh god, people god that gives table. me such panic those yeah. are the groups that i just back away from and recede into the corner and find one person to talk to i yeah. can't do 15 people no it's too much yeah absolutely too much so yeah like it is we need i suppose a, a different alternative and i think there are a lot of people who are coming out of lockdown feeling all of the things that we have learned during lockdown about ourselves back to that personalization we've all learned a lot about ourselves individually and now we need to bring it back and have a group conversation about it and bring it back to the table and say look I learned that actually I don't have healthy habits when I'm stressed yeah or like I will resort to other things and um I found it really hard. I yeah. found it really, really hard. And I I've, I always was like, I'm such an introvert. This is completely fine. I'm totally fine to be on my own. I have had periods of feeling really, really lonely. And I think loneliness is something we should talk about on another episode. Mm. But I've had periods during this last year where I felt really, really lonely and realized that like, yes, I'm an introvert. I'm not going to go for dinner with 15 people, but I need my friends. Yeah. And like, I, I never had you as an introvert. You're quiet. You can be quiet initially. 
didn't speak to me for the first year. Wasn't interested. You're quiet, but I feel like you do get energy from being in social situations. Maybe not. Like I am very introverted. Yeah. Uh, and I've thrived in lockdown. I've loved it. I'm more nervous about coming out of lockdown than than the experience that I've just had. And like I really got to know myself and understand yeah. my habits and my whys. And like that is the thread of this podcast is why. What, is it just because there's no alternative? Like, yeah. I just want to say tonight now with The Late Late, I don't Do want... Do you love The Late Late Show? Oh, yeah. Sorry, did you not know that? No, I did. I just see, like, you know there was the people in your class, but you went to school down what? This is no shade. But, like, in Dublin, Feels. we had all of the channels. So, like, I then Sorry. would go down to Claire. <laughs> I'm so deeply offended by where this is going <laughs> I, I had go. I had all of the channels you? but like I would go and meet my in cousins Dublin, we had all of the channels I'm where do you think I'm from I really don't know sometimes but this is just like a backwards comparison to like the one experience I had in my life for a backwards where person. I would go Waterford. yeah where I would go to like my cousins and they would like ream off all the RTE presenters and I was like does everybody know down here like on the radio on the tv they would name all the rte people and we were up there watching like the bbc and like nickelodeon and sorry <laughs> and I, cartoon yeah. network so i like, love nickelodeon like taina give me any like i was yeah but you were also uh, up there being like Marion fanukin is on no. it <laughs> not fair yeah, it's so true and there'd be that round in a quiz like even later in life in a pub quiz with all the pictures of people who worked in orty and the country bumpkins would be like that's brian that's brendan that's ah and we wouldn't have a clue i will say that this podcast has taken such a weird turn and at the start i was like this is your time to shine cassie and obviously the power has gone to your head we can cut this out it was very strange coming up to dublin having been from Waterford and we had all the channels and I watched Nickelodeon all the time and I've only started to like the Late Late Show later in my life. Maybe okay. it is because I'm from Waterford. But I couldn't believe when I would come up here and I'd see you guys drinking coffee, like walking to school through Stevens Green. And I don't think I knew what coffee was in school. Isn't no, that my God, that wasn't, that wasn't, they were, there's difference. Like we were out in the suburbs, we were not walking with coffee to school but did you know we did drink coffee in school yeah yeah like I never coffee did not come onto my radar or the gym or anything oh yeah like we used to go to Starbucks god I didn't know like we had a coffee machine that I remember in the canteen but none of us would have engaged with it we would have got a hot chocolate or something coffee was just not and now I see people when I'm driving to work I see secondary school students with coffees like walking through the city and that's just such a different life to me so really it's impressive how far I've come it is but you secretly hate coffee anyway I'm exposing you it's just so weird that you would say that I love coffee love it what a weird lie why are you saying that I hate coffee <laughs> you hate coffee anyway <laughs> you're just feeling argumentative so let's wrap this up just trying to start a fight with me everyone knows you're lying about liking coffee <laughs> Megan trying to fit in was it specifically like a brand of coffee that's very popular that I, you said you hate it? I said I don't like 3FE that's it I didn't want to name them it's on probably because the I'm from Waterford yeah and I was like 3FE coffee there's nothing better <laughs> okay so thanks everyone for joining <laughs> Sorry, us today I lost the run of myself there I'm actually yeah I'm yeah I have a big thing now to do I think I'm just feeling anxious I'm, I think your nerves I'm are feeling anxious to kick in. and I am yeah, I am. And I'm, I'm, 
using yeah. me as a punching bag. I am. I'm feeling anxious and I'm employing those unhealthy coping mechanisms. Oh, very good that you're, you know, employing awareness. Yeah, I'm sorry. I think I today was a great myself. unexpected existential chat. We were going what? to talk about alcohol for the whole thing, but we didn't get to it until the end. But the theme of the alcohol chat is what we spoke about today, which is habits, beliefs, alternatives, alternatives, and just examining your choices and why your choices are being made and what the outcome is that you're hoping for. And is that something that you should be working Do you think towards? this podcast has gone, it's really come a long way from when we used to talk about like Brad Pitt on GQ? I don't think that because we, two episodes ago, like did a deep dive into the Kardashians. Yeah, no, we still do pop culture as promised, but yeah. we're, I feel like we're growing up. Okay. Silence. I don't know. I don't want, I'm scared of this 32 to 37 window. You don't have to be scared of it. You are, you are going to enter into the best years of your life. It is all still ahead of you. You've had a great career to date. You have, you are, last week you stood and you told me how emotionally equipped you are to deal with things. Yes. Because you were doing the work you yeah. know yourself now, you're confident and you don't have to succumb to the pressures of stuff that you did in your early 20s. That's it. And I just want to make sure that I hold on to that in this window because I think so many women in particular, because of our annoying biological clocks, make decisions from fear between 32 and 37. Yeah. And you don't have to do that. And also no. you can, you know yourself. Yeah. Sit down and, and write down the decision and, and break it down and figure it out. And you know yourself. Yeah. And Make your decisions based on what you think is best for you and the other people in your life at the time. Yes. Today. To, for, for the ultimate amount of happiness today. Yeah. Also bearing in mind that you are special and you don't need a pension. Yeah.